1: Beacon 23 is over, but we are just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Hello, my friends. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly, out here on the Internet in the deep reaches of space on the Beacon 23. I, of course, am not alone. I am joined by a man who never brings any sour apples in the basket. The one, the only, Corey B. Corey, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Hey, listen, thank you so much for not overcharging me for parking with my mothership. I know that uh, it takes up a lot of space out here, uh, you know, in the, in the vast reaches of, of unexplored space. But, you know, sometimes you just got to buy the flashy spaceship.
1: It is uh, certainly flashy. It's like a Homer too, Corey. I will have to <laughs> say, I was going to charge you for parking. It was pure oversight. I was just refilling the food coloring containers and the. Oh sure. Just, you, know. you you
2: got to focus uh, on the priorities.
1: Yeah, quality sure. of life. You know, we may be far from home. That doesn't mean that uh, we need to live like savages, Corey. Exactly. <laughs> Beacon 23 is over, man. We got like the release of the final two episodes together on um, Sunday, December 17th, episode seven, episode eight, season one is in the bag. We have confirmation season two locked and loaded. It's filmed. It's ready. It's coming back to MGM uh, at an indeterminate time, which we will let you know (laughs) when we have confirmation. But um, this is the end of their first season of Beacon 23. How are you feeling about
2: it, Corey? I, overall, really liked this season of Beacon 23. I will say, however, that I didn't really love how it ended. Um, It gave me very, like, old school, like, let's throw more mysteries at the wall and not give you enough answers sort of ending. And maybe that's because they sort of, like, batched two seasons together. I almost wonder, this is not, like, a thing people do anymore, but I almost wonder if it would have been better to just have a 16 episode season one. Uh, it definitely felt like they knew a, se- a season two was coming and sort of exploited that fact. But we here in the audience are going to have to wait for however long they decide to take to release season two. And I think that's going to be a uh, you know a sort of sticking point for for both myself and a lot of people. There are way too many unresolved questions out there for my liking. At least give us a little dangle one little nice answer out there somewhere, or give us some direction for season two. And I would have been a little happier. But overall. Uh, You know, still pretty happy, all things considered.
1: Yeah, you're echoing a lot of my sentiments. Um, I mean, Beacon 23 coming to us at the end of 2023, very interestingly. And so (laughs) I spent a lot of this year lamenting a lot of what you just talked about. I think that the short-run seasons sometimes really hurt. And I think that especially this construction of television in a landscape where you know you're getting future seasons, and it's only going to be eight episodes at a time, and we are building in this pattern of like, the release distribution where we end up every season with like no kind of story resolution. It's been a theme that I have found myself harping on way too often this year for a lot of shows that I really enjoyed, but I came away from feeling like God, I would have enjoyed that a lot more if this had come out ten years ago in a television landscape with a little bit more uncertainty where they leave everything on the table, right? And we're just trying to get like closure and we get a full beginning middle at end. And if people fall in love with it, we'll keep going with it. But we don't necessarily um like leave half the eggs in the basket for next season, right? Yeah. Yeah. it's a theme I felt in a lot of TV that like can be very frustrating. I had the same vibe. Like halfway through episode eight, I'm sitting here like, "We got a lot of loose ends to tie yep. up. A lot of time, Corey."
2: At the very end of the, of the of episode eight, I was like, "Oh no, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> here come the credits. Oh no, this is not good. Oh yeah, it, it's 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 like." It's like le- like a puzzle, right? Like if you're doing a puzzle and the- and we're walking through like putting together the pieces. I don't know. Like I I've started to figure out how a lot of individual pieces come together, but I don't think that I understand what the puzzle is yet. Like what am I actually building here? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's okay if shows are like, hey, look, you forgot all these pieces in the box. Like we we're revealing new secrets, and that's fine. But like, give us a glimpse into our end game here what are, what are we actually working toward and or, or at least like make us feel like we're walking in the right direction and and i feel like to your point the current tv landscape i just don't think it works that well anymore and i love this show i really hope that you know fans can continue to be energized for season two and i know that once it comes i'll happily dive in but i just don't think it was the, the perfect move
1: No, I'm with you Uh, My general sentiments here I don't mean to come off too negative As I really like this show I came away from it very impressed I've been quietly recommending it to a lot of people Over the last month Um, I even brought it up in the Fantasy 2023 Year in Review podcast As a little bit of a stinger of like Hey, scope it out You know, if you're a fantasy fan If you love Game of Thrones You love Lena Headey You're into sci-fi These Venn diagrams get overlapped consistently Right I think you will dig this, show. I think there's more good than bad here, but we will talk through the nets and I'm sure that we will pick some of them. Um, Of course, just off the top, you can catch all these up on YouTube, the podcasts over YouTube. Give us a search, post show recaps. We always appreciate the subscriptions over there. If you want to come hang out with Corey and I uh, live, sort of not really while we're talking through uh, all of the beacon 23 episodes, they are there. Corey, I got a couple of short, long recaps I can talk through and then we'll, crack into the episode proper as that sounds
2: Sounds great and yeah there's there's a lot of really great stuff in these episodes before what we were talking about so so we'd love to dig into it for sure
1: Oh yeah, plenty of good, plenty of good to discuss uh, Beacon 23, Season 1, Episode 7, End Transmission So we open on flashbacks, seeing Solomon's arrival at the Beacon We see him reset Bart's memory system before finding ourselves back in the present With, with Aster and Halen taking shifts to monitor the Beacon During one of these shifts, after Aster seems to remember her time growing up here And she goes to find some of her parents' belongings uh, They ID an incoming ship, as they often do and note that it's likely been stolen by the column and a message comes into the beacon for parsim who bart does not seem to remember uh keir comes over the the comms and astor ultimately ends up letting him on to the ship despite harmony's protests halen also opposed but Aster uh making her choices as she will uh Keir has Bart pour them all beer. The AI clearly does not remember any of their previous encounter, and has no memory of Aster's family or her childhood, claiming that Solomon made him who he is. Um, Keir's backup ultimately makes it onto the beacon and they dispatch and capture Halen and Aster. He thinks that the artifact called her back, and he wants to try to finesse the situation, but his companions argue with him and express some reluctance about his ideas around the artifact itself. Kier ultimately comes to speak with Astor, though she gets very aggressive with them. He explains that one of his associates is a hothead and will kill her if she doesn't work with them, saying that a lot of people would be deeply upset at her death. Uh, Bart ultimately chimes in, saying that he thinks he remembers something, a subroutine in his system that will allow him to recognize and restore the missing data in his memory files. He ultimately finds Astor's father's files, including the course plotted for the artifact's movements. And Bart notes that the artifact is no longer following that pattern, having been altered by Astor's mother's actions. Though he does predict a window when it will return, one of the column members, Seldana, tries to recruit Halen into the cause, though he is very resistant. Um, Bart ultimately pulls Harmony aside and admits he can't remember anything that he claims to. He found the documents and he made the statements based on their contents, but he has no actual recollection of the past. And he notes a darkness and anger in his core about the disregard for his purpose and his own failure to fulfill his function. Um, Kier and Saldana, meanwhile, arguing about the column's philosophy as they do, the QTA arrives. Astor wants to negotiate with them and Halen advocates fleeing in the picker. She says that she's in too deep and she needs to be here, though she stops short of saying she can't do it without him. He suits up in his combat gear and Bart acknowledges that Solomon was not a good man, apologizing to Halen, who then gets onto the picker And leaves Beacon 23 Uh, The beacon systems begin seriously Malfunctioning as the internal Heat is rising and they realize That Bart is frying the system Uh, Kier argues that this isn't Who he is though Bart says That all he perceives is the Absence of a self that once was Aster realizes he's not Trying to harm them but rather to kill Himself and he Says that he's unable to Be the version of himself that he Once was Harmony ultimately Ultimately, noting in her research, something about the beacon space makes anybody with minds, be they people or AI, lose their sense of reason. She's advocating for surrender, and Astra ultimately heads to the GWB to see the artifact outside, as Helen, in the last minute, turns the wrecker around to pursue the QTA back towards Beacon 23. That's episode seven. Uh, episode eight adamantine so the qta ships are approaching the beacon as the column agents argue with Harmony about how to respond. Saldana is talking to Astor about her being a sort of hero and mentions that Kier elevates her, though Aster is dismissive of the notion. Finch, meanwhile, is struggling and in need of drugs, which Saldana provides him. The QTA is prepping to board the beacon as Hallen engages him in a dogfight outside. He radios the beacon and Harmony responds, but Saldana cuts off her access. Hallen ends up dispatching the incoming ships, while Kier questions Aster about what she sees from the, Artifact. He says that he is here to help her if he can. Um, Halen, meanwhile, returns and Seldana pulls a gun on him, demanding that he is going to fly them out. He gets the weapon away from her and refuses as Kier approaches, asking him to help with Aster. He says that. He can't leave, and that it's his destiny to witness Astor's communion with the artifact. Halen ultimately learns about Bart's suicide, Harmony explaining that Astor needs to see the only viable path here is surrender, also asking Halen for help to convince her of that. Which he refuses Astra, meanwhile is watching the artifact As we see memories of her childhood She and Halen sit down under the GWB For a moment Halen is worried that Kier is getting in her head And she says that this whole situation Is like a dream that makes sense Until you wake up um, Finch and Saldana meanwhile are seeking escape routes But Kier confronts them Saying that he's waited too long for all of this And Astra is the key to the artifact Saldana notes that she is the key And says that they should take her her as a hostage, using her as a bargaining chip. Um, Aster asked, asked Halen to come with her into the artifact, saying that she's sure she can bring him with her. As Seldana and Finch go to Astor, Halen ultimately attacks them and we see outside a massive mothership has appeared. Harmony noting this is Aleph, the original, not a copy. She says that he's alive, and Halen notes he's vulnerable in being here. Harmony says that ultimately he is her maker, not just her employer, and that she is incapable of forming any plans against him. She simultaneously speaks with Aster, clarifying she can't hide anything from Aleph, and she continues to advocate for aster's surrender to the qta uh finch and saldana meanwhile talk about alice and point towards him is everything wrong with the universe they b- lament being unable to throw stones and saldana says they need help to which finch says they know a way to the quantum tunneler and can get back up um Halen ultimately talking to Aster says he came back for her. He wants to establish a safe word, so she's going to face off the most powerful AI in the universe. Kier ultimately saying she cannot talk to Aleph, that he has gamed a million versions of her and is built to win. He claims that he understands her better than anyone because he knows what's happening to all of them, that she will receive the message humanity has waited eons for, and that Aleph and the AI cannot be trusted to receive it finally Aleph presents himself to Astor claiming that he's concerned for her. He uh, was saddened to see Bart go noting Bart's optimism as infectious. And she says that she's willing to trade the artifact in exchange for Halen. Um, Finch and Saldana meanwhile, are building a bomb saying that they're not taking orders from Kier. Uh, Ultimately, Aster arguing with Aleph that she wants Halen pardoned, but Aleph says the QTA has to maintain the relationship with the military and he can't promise anything. He watches on with Harmony. Uh, Aleph challenges her assertion that she controls the artifact, saying that it controls her. Aster ultimately says she wants to bring Halen inside the artifact with her because part of him is already in there. At this point, Halen kind of panics, confronting her and asks her why she's fighting to clear his name. And she says that she needs him. And there's a place out there in the galaxy for them together. Um, as Seldana and Finch take the bomb to Aleph, Harmony locks them in an airlock. Aleph ultimately comes to her, noting that he will commend her in the company for all of her work in this endeavor. Aster and Halen find Aleph and Halen wants to know why he is here and has made himself vulnerable to witness all of this in the midst of this, Harmony frees Saldana and Finch and tells them to get Keir and get as far away from the beacon as possible. While Astor debates with Halen about taking this leap of faith and after a heartfelt conversation the man agrees. He and Halen go to meet with Aleph again as they prepare to enter the artifact, Harmony agreeing to join them to act as a communication byway for Aleph. And it's at this point Kier comes into the room highly upset that they are working with the AI. And when Astor Tries to say that this will be good for everyone he draws a weapon and fires on her at point blank range in her eyes we see light swirling and bringing us back to the vision that we saw of a young parson seeing an adult aster taking her hand and she asks what was the message as we fade to black what a cliffhanger Corey!
2: they had to <sighs> do to us uh, it's too much I I mean, obviously, one thing that we do know is that Aster's not gone in one way or another. Aster, she's probably dead in like the material world, but I don't at all think that she's gone. Um, I think that she's a star of the show, and I think that she's not, they're not going to like pull a fast one on us in terms of, of where she is. We already have seen when Milan died, we already saw Aleph like sort of materialize as a new consciousness she may not be exactly the same person but i think it's sort of like is gonna parallel that to some degree the episode's called adamantine which obviously i think also has some allusion to like the strength and the resilience of of aster and the fact that she probably isn't dead but uh you never know i just think that's probably what's gonna it, it seems like the writing's on the wall there for me
1: i fully agree adamantine the indestructible fantastical metal that it is yeah this notion of perseverance the whole kind of exploration of self right ultimately the notion that astra makes this choice at the end i'm going to get the message i'm going to share it with everyone with the ai with the humans everyone's going to get it we've been talking so much about ai and personhood and after Bart's suicide, dare I say? I think it's really like front of mind. So the idea of her transitioning from one state of life to another attracts for me.
2: Yeah, same here. And I think that it, like, from a narrative or like from a like a, a plot perspective, there are questions that I have. One of the biggest confusing things that I've I've noted throughout this series, even before today, mm-hmm. was like, did Milan actually interface with the artifact to become Aleph? Mm -hmm. Um, it seems, you know, Aleph still considers himself a different person, uh, as Milan and he's still desperately searching for answers about what the artifact, you know, the knowledge that the artifact has to give. Um, and then there's this whole thing too, where, where Halen and Aster are talking to Aleph about like, why are you here? The original copy of you yeah. and there's this desperation there. That yeah, just
1: had his neck out on the chopping block. Right. This like ultimate AI does not need to be here. Halen calls about it. You send a copy. You send like a drone. Like, what are you doing here? This idea that I just want to bear witness. It, it, it rings hollow, Corey.
2: Yeah, and there's an interesting question of identity there, too, right? As this, as this, what do they call him, a Quantic AI, mm-hmm. he, th- in theory, any of his copies should be able to gain the same experiences. I think there's some true sense of identity that's happening here, but there is this incongruency to me with the fact that Aleph in theory already experienced the artifact, and that's theoretically, like, my interpretation of that that chain of events was that as he was dying, the artifact showed up, and he somehow leveraged it with his AI hope, to become this new Quantic AI. And I think that there is a parallel to Aster that Aster finds her way into the artifact as she's dying. Um, But what I don't understand is they're obviously different because Aleph is still searching. He never went into the artifact as Milan. Um, Or actually now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if he did. Um, because we see that Halen, there's like, they mentioned that there's a part of Halen in the artifact. I wonder Mm -hmm. if Aster finds Milan inside of the artifact. That would actually be a very interesting, um, uh, sort of surprise for season two if Milan is still alive.
1: It's really fascinating fascinating, this notion. I mean, her her mother, presumably, like, we're, we're tracking yeah. a couple of people that could be in there. And, and I've been thinking of it a little bit in terms of um, like the Prometheus factor. I'm talking like the Ridley Scott movie or Alien precursor of, like, mm-hmm. the artifact as like, kind of altering evolution to a degree or, like, having some kind of, like, outside interference, right? It gives yeah. the nudge to the Milan to the Aleph, so that even if, like, he didn't, you know, uh, interface with it in a very meaningful way it affected his transition or to whatever degree its presence sure. was like integral in that metamorphosis to whatever extent it was uh, you know one thing that I've noted a little bit about Beacon 23 I think um, we've talked about how much it's like a play sometimes so much of the episodes are really just like two people on a pretty no-fail yeah. set of the Beacon just talking and I think that works really well I feel like sometimes we lose a bit in the transitions like they can be a bit jarring and literally just the scene to scene movements and i got really confused about the arrival of the mothership like to me Mm. i thought for a moment that was the artifact like the rocks coalescing into the ship and i was very confused about the red light and why is it not blue and there that all just like happened so quickly um but but the similarity to like this mysterious object outside the beacon, like that seems intentional, just as like a visual cue, right?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, there were absolutely parallels because the mothership had all these little like drone-like things like skittering around outside, and like right? the re- like you mentioned, the red lights. It almost seems like an anta- like a, an antithesis to the artifact in a lot of ways. And I do, I do think the visual cues were similar, and it was so big that you couldn't even see what it was. I know, right? Uh, um, like, we're like, what on earth is this thing? And I think there is some intentionality to that and trying to build up this AI construct ship, which they've sort of alluded is the identity of Aleph. Like, I, I assume this entire ship is Aleph. Um I think you're right, and I mean, that's what I'm saying, where I think there's
1: such a mirror with the artifact, this notion of it as a collective of many parts. I think there's, like, a metaphor for for humanity there, right, of, like, the many separate drones that are part of a collective, even though they're not physically connected, and, like, Mm -hmm. the disparity of people in space. Then I think we get into the weird AI thing. I mean, like, so much of Harmony, we'll talk about Barda, obviously, but, like, so Mm -hmm. much of Harmony's perspective this episode is like no no you don't understand i'm not just like a product that is owned by the company i'm not just an employee of this guy i he is my god he is my creator i am physically incapable of like deceiving him of going against him but then she also seems to countermand that which i found really interesting as like a direct contradiction to this idea of like Humans are these separate organisms that are not connected, but we find a collective identity as humanity, right? Right. Whereas the AI are literally, like, tethered and connected in that way and should be, but they're they're finding, like, individuality and separation. This notion of, like, Aleph, why didn't you stop Bart? Like, well, he's not in my purview. Don't bullshit me. Like, you could have. And Harmony, like, being governed by that, but then making a different choice. There's just such a direct kind of connect between these two ideas I think
2: yeah it's 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 an awesome thought and I think that ultimately there's almost something about and and like you said Bart is a whole subject to breach but like I think it, there was almost something about Bart that like was instrumental to Harmony's development yes. as an individual yes. as well and finding her individuality even the fact that Bart could do what he did to himself seemed completely like improbable impossible to harmony it violated his core directive and he did it anyway and i think that there is yeah like you mentioned there's this sort of direct juxtaposition of ai trying to break free they're by default in a collective imagine as a human you're being so tied to your employer that you literally can't do anything on your own against them harmony has this chat with halen about free will and she does have a good you know come back of like when you were in the military did you really have free will you're basically doing whatever they told you but ultimately harmony throughout this episode i mean at the beginning of episode seven i was starting to think maybe she was the bad guy Like worried, man. yeah i got worried for a minute there <laughs> yep. yeah there were some there were some ominous things going on that made me worry and then with the whole thing when when we have Aleph coming in and she's saying that she can't do anything against him, she sort of gives this very cold response to Aster well, if you thought it was anything more than my job, that was just your imagination. Um, which I think maybe also could have been done for plausible deniability reasons. But, like, I do think that she grows by the end of the episode. We're left to assume that she freed, uh, you know, our two new characters, Finch and Saldana. Um of her own will as you know you could argue that it was a way to get Kira off the ship too because mm-hmm. that is something that she was ordered to do but ultimately she chose a compassionate route that she didn't have to take and there's this this interesting i, I think harmony strangely for a character that i was not really relating to very much until these episodes ends up being the most curious character at the end of season one where you're there's so much more development and growth that she might be able to go through and you wonder where she's at what she's been doing and sort of where she's going to end up in everything in contrast to aleph And, and where is she by the way not to like not to put too many things on the table at once but, she, but Halen was calling out to her at the end of the episode and she wasn't there. Yeah, um, did attractive. she go with Aster like she planned to the artifact? Is that more proof that Aster actually got into the artifact that Harmony didn't answer Halen? good question that's really interesting that's a really interesting thought I,
1: I am with you where I think Harmony has become incredibly compelling by the end of the season uh, Natasha Mumba is like playing it very interestingly she's mm-hmm. so kind of uh, she's got the AI thing down right she's so sort of cold but but there's a uh, compassion in her delivery that I really find compelling and, and she's so reluctant you know like Aster is so kind of on board with everything so quickly and Harmony as this sort of Jiminy Cricket really this very much like this conscience like no 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 you should not be doing this it's a really great part as like a foil to Astor throughout the season but um, the way that we like watch her bear witness to these experiences through these final two episodes and watch her affected by them I think felt pretty compelling to me Um, really like interesting just to talk about them for a minute so we don't like overlook them Uh, Keir, Saldana, and Finn these column people we get yeah. some more cool world building stuff of like the man with dare i say a quarry asshole in his neck with like pinch <laughs> cakes that they had and they gotta like keep drugging him. it's pretty great but the idea that i love that Kier came back we kept yes. talking about these one-off bottle episode characters and who we would scare again Kier was not like at the super top of the list, but I was delighted to like see this pivot and the notion that again, like he's part of this organization. That's a little bit all over the place in the column. Like he's a true believer. And these guys are really just kind of like military radicals that want nothing to do with (laughs) it. And like, I really liked the dynamic of this group as like a not totally together group. Uh, Like, how did this work for you?
2: Yeah, I liked it a lot, and especially in contrast with who Kier was when he met Bart the first time we saw mm-hmm. him in comparison to now. He's become very religious, and it seems like the column is has this split between the people who are just doing it because they want to protect all the colonists out there who are oppressed and who are dying. 20,000 a day, they said, right? Um, and they're, they're, you know, being the, you know, the, the rebel group out there doing morally questionable things in the name of protecting all these colonists. And there are the militaristic side of that, which is Saldana personified. And then you have Kier on the other side who also has the religious side of the column which is this very prophetic he's talking about you know the the i I mean he doesn't say ancient text but it kind of gives me that vibe (laughs) right the prophecy (laughs) says you know yeah yeah, like it's very much um which which um you know forgive my lack of short-term memory but i feel like he was very much not like that um the first time we met him he got like he's a full-on true believer
1: now. I mean, he quoted Vader at one point. You know, he didn't get I the whole that. thing. But the I find your lack of faith troubling. I was like, come on, dude. Just if just go the, do the it, whole just way. Do yeah. It, you know. Yeah. I mean? yep. We see yep. you, Beacon Twenty Three. You can't hide from Vader, man. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's been it's been you know probably a millennia since that movie came out. I mean, maybe he just didn't quite remember it perfectly, but uh
1: classic movies. I bet that it's with parts catalog. Oh, it's
2: really. a classical movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise.
0: What a wonderful day!
2: It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is made possible by PWC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PWC helps turn
1: sustainability theory into real world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, group void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I liked the return of Keir as this like galvanized religious prophet. And I really liked the dynamic with Bart where he was like affectionate and like that experience Affected him positively. This notion of even the same with Milan of like, oh no, my encounter with Bart was like important. You know what I mean? Yes. like I know it's not Milan, it's Aleph But the idea that Milan's encounter with Bart affected who Alice is, and that Absolutely. Bart's effective uh, encounter with Kier changed Kier, and then we get this whole like root source of the clarity of Parsom and Aster and her being like, you were this magical creature. Um, it's such a fun way to imagine a kid perceiving an, an, an entity like this, because like, yeah, they would be. That's like a fairy, you know, yeah. flying around in a little drone. So I loved all of this. And then the absolute, like, gut-wrenching death of Bart, Corey. Like, Bart oh. has been such an interesting character. He's driven so much of our drama all season. I feel really terrible that he's been, like, living a lie. Like, he's really difficult. He's been an antagonist and, like, a roadblock Talk to our protagonists again and again and again like yep. uh, he's got he's totally barking up the wrong tree he believes the wrong things like he was very difficult but i'm so sad about this resolution oh, that we get for bart,
2: man. oh it's so sad uh, look bart is is such a fascinating character because at the beginning i really wasn't having bart at all i was like so, sort of annoyed by it. like he was an interesting character from like a Viewer perspective, from, but from like a, I wasn't rooting for him, you know. It was it was very much one of those things where I'm like, he's he's weird, and you start to learn more and more about him, and you start to think, oh, there's a lot here. You piece things together. Even at the end of the last podcast, I'm like, I don't think we're gonna get it, but I think there's more context with Bart that we're missing, like the whole Bartholomew thing. Why did he say that Solomon gave him the name Bart? And I got to keep giving this show credit because every time I have a question like that, literally in the next episode, they answer it flawlessly. They really do. They
1: do a great job with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do think that Bart turned out. We don't really understand this full stop at the beginning, but I think that Bart turned out to be our lens as a viewer for what has been going on. We've really been seeing everything in the show through Bart's eyes and uh the He's end the of fly
1: on the wall right like he, he is. is
2: the proverbial fly on the wall he gets to be this record
1: across time of all these things that have happened in the beacon and compartmentalizing that
2: information from him while you're giving it to us is an interesting narrative choice you know absolutely and i, I think that I think that it's fascinating that he then figures out um which is which was good narratively to sort of drop all this lore on him at the same time that we're figuring it out but he figures out that you know he's had this as we've already said this monumental impact on Aleph on Kier on Aster herself uh helping Aster's parents escape all this amazing like all these amazing feats that he's done and he has none of it anymore and this whole idea of this void this sense of of purpose that is gone and can never be brought back and he's not the person that he once was and can never be again there's a hugely tragic element to it and narratively it's really cool because like you said we're sort of all these pieces are sort of being put together at the same time bart is trying to compartmentalize these pieces but there's there's a, again an identity question buried beneath all of this bart doesn't think that he has the central core anymore And that sort of rationalizes him to take the steps that he does. And it's super sad. I didn't expect to be gutted by Bart going away <laughs> it's really it was really well written i have to say um like the
1: role of bart i think it's so tough i talk about like a lot of animation and so voice acting and this stuff mm-hmm. but to be able to like carry that much empathy and emotion without having a physical presence on the screen i think is like pretty impressive and noteworthy in its own right yeah. um, but but the 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 like whole story of bart bart like should be the least relatable to me in a sense of like yeah. He, he, like like Astra and Halen are both very funny. They They are joke around a lot. They're fun people. Like I would hang out with those people. Right? (laughs) Bart is like humorless. Even Harmony is like got jokes, right? But Bart's like humorless. He's thankless. He's mission oriented. He is like you're saying at the beginning. He's a little weird and he's kind of a dick and he's so like aggressive, you know. And there's nothing really to love about him. But I found him, dare I say, like the most relatable by the end because I think that there is this fundamental notion to his. Story where he's talking about this, this like you know, seething anger inside of him, this emotion that does not yeah. make sense in a logical system. And we understand logic as people, and it's so easy for us to look at our brother in law, our boss, our neighbor, and be like, What is this idiot doing? Over here. Like, look at this very obvious choice they could make that would make their life so much better, but then our own lives, Corey. Like yeah. sometimes it's really hard to have that perspective and to like Absolutely. make the logical choice. We're governed by our emotions, you know. But what I get you for Bart at the end is that he was built with a definitive purpose right the, like human struggle of like this whole philosophical religious aspect to this season of TV of like what's the message what's the purpose of humanity what are we here for like Bark has the benefit of being created with a purpose and part right. of the angst and the fury is how everybody is like countermanding him and, and like, and, but his inability to fulfill what he sees as like his mission directive but meanwhile he's having this literal life-changing profound impact on people that he meets again and again and again that is outside of like his purview and his his like mandate as like an algorithm right and he can't reconcile that like the positive impact that he's had is completely kind of meaningless to him because of the like lamentation he has about his inability to fulfill his Actual job. And that speaks to me so much of the human experience where we like flail and struggle through life of like, what am I doing? What's the goal here? What's the purpose? All the existential dread that keeps me up at night, Corey, that like (laughs) at the end of the day, it's really easy to overlook like the incredible positive impact that you're having just by being every single day. Like that's enough, right? Just like being there is enough. Especially when we get to like the very corny and we'll talk about it on the nose message at the end of like, I need you. I need you. That's why Corey, I can't do it alone. Um, like companionship and just to exist sometimes is like enough in its own right. You don't need some grand design, some religious calling, some destiny that Keir is yelling about to like give yourself function. Right. Even in our column agents and like Finch and Saldana of like, well, we have a shot to live on immortal through history and like play our part to fit our role to like put the peg in the hole where it belongs. The
2: martyrdom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But like, sometimes just to be and to exist and to like impact others positively and like be within their orbit is like enough, you're worthy, you know? And that's all like very cheesy and maybe outside of like the context of the show. But this is the stuff that like I found myself circulating with as we get to like Bart's very tragic end where he terminates his own existence because he sees his whole existence as a failure when he's Mm -hmm. had such positive impact.
2: Yeah, no, I think that is incredibly, incredibly insightful. And I think that ultimately it's, and that's that's part of the tragic thing about Bart is that, you know, he feels like that side of him is gone and 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 someone has done that to him. He has all these things that he expresses about how, you know, when he lets Halen out and, and this is the first sort of clue that he might be doing something bad because he sort of mentions that it's his last act of kindness. Uh, uh, but like, he's he's waxing poetic over there about how he's stuck there the entire time. It's almost as if he is so focused on his one thing in life that he is like logically stuck. Like mm-hmm. he sees all these other things that he's done, but he is bound to the beacon. He's bound to his purpose and he's not really seeing, I don't know if this goes against what you're saying. Cause I, hopefully it doesn't cause I feel like they could sort of connect together, but like, I think that there's there's some interesting sort of element to the fact that he feels trapped. He feels unable to connect to the, the achievements that he's made before and connecting with all these people. He's unable to get off the beacon. He's unable to disconnect himself from his own purpose. And that is sort of part of the human experience is like if you want to truly be satisfied in life, you need to be able to be content with just yep. existing, with the yep. side things that you're sort of doing in life and not necessarily with you know, whatever grinds that your 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 mission is in your everyday life. And that disconnect is a fascinating thing for Bart. Um, and sadly, a tragic thing for him. Ultimately,
1: no, it's spot on. You know, we're so goal oriented of like do the thing, and this will be the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and, and, and like you know, failure is okay. Like, and you do yeah. need to like be okay to be right. I mean, uh, therapy is like a billion dollar industry because like yeah, we're spending a lot of money trying to teach ourselves to be okay with ourselves. You know, right? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> not for nothing. the The whole thing of Bart really it was very powerful. I really liked that. I really, really liked the closing moments with him and Halen of like, oh, man, I'm sorry to yes. get to meet you till the end. Like, maybe we would have been friends. So it's a little bit of like a, you know, action bro cliche, like fist bump, you know, but I, I really liked it. it I think it worked pretty well.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it landed great, and there's there's also parallels of like seeing Halen on the camera trying to get into where the picker is, right. um, <laughs> yeah. you know, like those like they did a really great job setting that up, and yeah, it, it arguably might be a little corny, but I think that it was it was deserved and it, it it was it was earned in that moment, even though it was a little fast. Like I loved that Bart kind of finally admitted like you're a good dude, Halen, uh, and I'm you know even though I technically can't help you out, I'm gonna find a way around because that's what Bart does. He finds a way around his programming and his directives all the way till the very end.
1: It's really uh, impressive. A uh, heck of a yeah. like a improvisation bar. Well done for your final oh one, yeah. You know. I um, love it. So Astra and Halen, let's talk about them a little bit. This, I think, is like where we get to, like some of our nitpicks, at least for me, um, just yeah. the final resolution all came so fast, right? Like we're building, we're building, we're building. And then suddenly Aleph's on the ship and we're making choices and we're going to go in the thing. And there's kind of like allusions to stuff that I'm like, wait, did I miss that? Like, how do you know he's in there? I don't understand what's going on. And then like, we're doing it all. At least that was part of my feeling was like it was yeah. a bit of like a, a hurry up in that final 20 minutes for us to get to like a big cliffhanger of like literally that last slide Corey. What is the message? Yeah.
2: Ooh. Yep. It's you
1: know, uh. <laughs> just like on the nose. So, so how are you feeling <laughs> about all of this?
2: And I want to I want to mention a small but meaningful correction. When you did the recap you mentioned fade to black. But this was actually fade to white and for some oh, reason that made it even worse for me. Fade. Like that like that cuz cuz there there's no conclusivity to a fade to white, right? Like there's no feeling of closure to a fade to white. You're, something else is happening and you're just not there for it. Uh ultimately though I absolutely agree because like the the artifact is just so nebulous no pun intended right like it's like literally and figuratively nebulous um there is there is just like even if we didn't know the thing that the artifact was trying to tell aster or you know her younger self parsim uh i i think that there should i think if we could have understood more of the rules of what this thing is how it communicates From a technical perspective, it would have grounded us a lot more like understanding definitively that aster is interfacing with the artifact how she's interfacing with the artifact oh halen's in her vision with her that means he's there we had no idea that that was the case right like you you sort of figure it out by the end but it would have been nice to have some grounding there uh, especially given that the season's over usually at this point i would say well maybe the next episode will give us a little context but that's not applicable when the the season's over uh and, and i think that that to me if i were to put one thing on the table for what i could have seen better is give us a little more grounding in terms of how that artifact works and what we're trying to seek from it how do people enter into it you know the the vision space that we're seeing inside of aster that's that's her in the artifact temporarily question mark like what what is happening there and i think that that would have grounded us so much for the rest of the plot even at this cliffhanger that i didn't love if we got there with that context, I do think it would have been better. Uh, so that's it for me, personally.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's the double whammy, right? Where we're inserting the artifact as a nebulous is the perfect word for it. This vaguely, like, religious iconography, right? Yeah. We don't know, like, you know, alien life forms, like, alternate dimensions, phase shifting, multiverse. Like, there's so much uncertainty around, like, that aspect of it but it's clearly got this really nebulous social implication Yeah, it's going to have like major religious impact like it's not just going to be world changing it's going to be galaxy changing right it's yes. like there are prophets coming here there's like <clears throat> religion based up around it we have like enough understanding of the column to know that like there is all this crazy kind of belief around it and just what Kier said even in these two episodes it like implies weight to the that will come with it or whatever. But then the physicality is like totally nebulous as well. Like sometimes there's rocks and sometimes the rocks are someplace And like, is that supposed to be important that Halen has a rock in the picker as he's flying away? Like he finds that rock and I'm just like, oh my God, the rock's going to mind control him. The rock's going (laughs) to blow the ship up. The rock's going to levitate. The rock's going to talk to him, right? Like Rocky was talking a couple of episodes back. Now they're not talking. Now they have Aster's Facebook. There's just like we're doing a lot within this space. And I sometimes find myself just as like a viewer who's trying to stay dialed in so I could talk to you about it in an informed way at the end of the week of like, what am i seeing you know what i mean like yeah. i literally find myself sometimes having to, like rewind scenes to clarify was that the rock was that no again with the ship um just some of their like the blocking in the actual cinematography and the scene transitions like add to that level of confusion and i think some of it's obviously very intentional but i agree just playing a little bit too much with the mystery box for me as we're closing it out i would like a little bit more clarity as to like specifics Because I think that what Beacon 23 has done really well is, like, they don't have to explain everything about the QTA. They give us, like, five dots of, like, very specific pieces of information about the QTA, and we can draw the lines and understand what the picture is. And they're really good at that. So I just would like a few, like statements of clarity about yes. the artifact that we can start to like centralize our thesis around
2: do you know what i mean i do exactly know what you mean and i think it's two sides of the same coin because when you're talking about this i was sort of laughing internally like this is the same thing we've praised it for so yeah. many times in the past like they're not holding our hand they're they're having us put connect all these dots as you said but i think that i, and I think that the real issue is that we need to be able to connect the dots in some form of conclusivity as the season ends. I really think that's most of what it is. Like give us a new puzzle, give us some new dots to connect and finish these dots out. Like, and I think that that, that that's why it's two sides of the coin. It works really well during the season, but at the end there need to be, there needs to be some form, just going back to what we said at the beginning, some yeah. form of conclusion, some form yeah. of, Oh, here's the things we've pieced together. And now we know all this stuff and it doesn't sure. There can be another whole set of mysteries, that get introduced or get brought to the forefront, but we need to have an understanding, you know, all this piecing together and, you know, requiring us to connect these dots. And we still don't know what we're drawing uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And we still feel we we feel like we've pieced so much together and it's great, but, but again, where, where are we going? Uh, and, and how does all this work? And like, even things about the artifact that, we've sort of understood like there's so much of it is just a guessing game and i i would love i I don't mind from a narrative perspective having it be a guessing game but from like my my, from a mechanical perspective you know you you look at aster's memories and you see that there's the Parson version of her and the aster version of her there's a version of halen in there is it does it take like a snapshot of someone and like upload it to itself like There are so many interesting questions there, and if this was episode 8 of 10 or 12, I'd be like, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to see what, you know, how these questions get answered. Earlier in this podcast, I said every time I have a question, the next episode, they seem to answer it for me, even when I don't expect them to, and that very well may be true. Season 2, episode 1, maybe we learn everything we need to know, but I just would argue that, you know, they should probably not do that uh, between between seasons I'm,
1: I'm very much with you you know part of the fun that i have talking about all these shows is like a little bit of the kind of meta perspective of the way that um just the, the tv l- like landscape changes and we as a collective kind of audience change how we watch and what our expectations are when we watch shows or whatnot mm-hmm. i do i don't know if it's just idiosyncratic to my experience but i found myself more and more over this last year like coming away from things like come on man give me closure at the end of your season what i really want a little bit more like a a tightening of the storytelling i walk away from shows like an arcane where it's a one season like that's a story complete and you could see how we will how you could pick it up and carry forward with those characters in that world but regardless of what happens that is a like soul standing completed told story and i love of long form continuous storytelling. So I'm picking some nits. We're talking about like the the plot and like the meta text, but let's just talk about like the emotional state of the characters. Cause this sure. is the other big central thing. I mean again like so much of the show was about two people in a room. Uh, like having an experience, yeah. having a conversation, and Halen and Aster are such like the the central um, players in all of this that everything's orbiting around. We get this resolution with them. Did this part of it land? Because I guess my two cents is like I really like these two. I felt like they had great Me chemistry too. from the beginning. Uh, the will they, won't they, of it all, like felt tangible and like compelling but then we get to like this end and all of a sudden they're just like in lockstep and it was a little bit again like i just felt like it was rushed and it was a little bit like wait a minute like even though we took eight episodes to get here you guys are talking like it's a foregone conclusion that you're gonna run off into the sunset together and you're in lockstep and like Astor says the thing in the episode seven i won't say i need you I don't do it. I didn't do it with my mom. I didn't do it with Coley. That's yeah. not my thing, Halen. Cut to episode eight because I need you, you know? <laughs> uh, so like, yeah. Did it work? Did it land for you or bridge too far?
2: Well, what's interesting is that at the beginning of, I think it was episode seven, at the beginning of the episode, they had the sort of montage of the two of them like playfully, like kicking each other out of bed to take shifts, watching the yeah. artifact. There was like this. And, and then, as you mentioned, they're f- they're funny characters, and the more that we see them become at ease, the more that we see their true selves come to play, their personality, and they do a great job of sort of starting to help us relax with them, too, as they yeah. become more relaxed with each other. I loved that part of it. I almost think that it's it's sort of the same cliffhanger criticism rehashed over and over again for me, because what I think happens is so many shows like this break my trust. Because I like to think that we can have moments of joy and bliss and and status quo and and find a new problem uh, yeah. rather than immediately tearing it apart yeah. with Aster dying or even before that with, with this conclusion of, we, well, we have to go into the artifact. Are you coming with me or not? So we need this conclusive way of dynamically and definitively pulling us together or or tearing us apart in this yeah. very moment. And I think that escalates the relationship in a point where we could have just been happy for a little bit guys like like and and that's i don't trust tv in this in this format it's again it's like a will they won't they but not even in a relational or romantic aspect it's more of like will you allow your characters to be happy for just a moment before you throw another wrench in the mix right and and so yeah i i i really liked it to start but i do think that for the sake of plot they were pulled into this like you know pull pulled in opposing directions way too quickly and i do appreciate that they stuck together and i do think that there's this uh, this implication that there's some cosmic connection between the two of them but i also think that that's not enough for me to be like well maybe they pulled that rug out a little too quickly especially because aster literally dies at the end of uh of episode eight at least in her physical form
1: I love that you're noting the way that your trust gets broken, right? I think that that's a really like important notion, and it speaks to part of my uh, pessimistic perspective in terms of talking about cliffhangers and yeah. feeling satisfied walking away from seasons of TV. But again, just Selena Heaney and Stephen James as the performers, they have really awesome chemistry, and they I do. think you highlighted something that I didn't like intellectually clarify, but their ability to make me relax as they're having fun and like joking. We Still good. No, I fell in love with the guy with the a hole in his neck. Like, there's just <laughs> yeah. you know, I I very notoriously talk a lot of these podcasts, Corey. Like, I don't go look for a comedy show. I'll never right. uh, left to my own devices put comedy on my own. But I do really appreciate like shows like this having humor in them and like maintaining some levity in the tone. I think that there is like a, a two degrees of a shift we could make for Beacon Twenty Three that makes it like a really humorless, gray, brutal. Mm-hmm kind of story and it's not that it's really like fun and charming in a lot of ways yeah. because of the humor these two bring so i like them and i really feel on board with them that montage i thought was excellent of them like kicking yeah. each other out of bed like some of that stuff did work um i don't mean to sound like too critical of it like for me oh, no. the worst part of beacon 23 season one is like that final 20 minutes and it's just because of like pacing it's not that they did anything yeah. like egregious there yeah i just think like they could I needed a little bit more to like justify the steps that they were taking. And I would have liked some more clarification, but um as cheesy as it is where she's like, I need you. I'm like, Oh, all right. All right. I'm a, I'm in, I'm on board, Corey. I sure. Like these
2: two. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm a nitpick and I, I've loved every single episode of beacon 23 up until, and including uh these last two episodes like you said it was really the last 20 minutes and yeah. it's very easy to something you like to be like you got to do you, you got to yeah, let yeah, us yeah. down here at the end but we're it's cuz we're rooting for you you know um but yeah they 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 truly did have like the relationship from the beginning I don't even remember what I was saying about them at the beginning but I I I sure did not expect them to be this comfortable with each other and 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 this emotive with each other and just like supporting each other at this level from episode one, right? Where you're not even sure who the heck Halen is and if he's good or bad, right? Like there is, and, and same with Aster for that matter. Um, there is uh, something really fun about where we got to and and I do really connect emotionally and want these characters, you know, speaking of rooting for characters, I want these yep. characters to succeed. Um, on that note, I wanted to mention like, you know, I, I, I we, we talked about how Bart was sort of the, the narrative lens for season one. And I'm sort of wondering if we had any thoughts for season two, not just for like, where do we think it's going to start, but also is there going to be a new narrative lens? I wonder if like the sort of the torch passes to Harmony? I was going to uh, um, say, I think it's harmony, right? Because
1: I think that we have this built-in means. Part of the like, this is a thing Grace and I talk about a lot, like, it, it let the show tell you what it is, a Josh Wigglerism to be sure. And I think a little yeah. bit of the show sh- telling us what it is, is that they like to give us world building in these yes. visitations to the past. So I can imagine a season two that's delving into some of the stuff you and I were really interested in in season one. The QTA, the mm-hmm. column, the these, like other organizations like the idea of like uh, i i always kind of like got the connection from Milan to aleph to like the personal ais but like the, yes. no no he is my creator that's interesting the idea of like a lot of other ais what's going on there like I I would think that you're right. And I think Harmony is like a natural entry point as like um, a reluctant follower, right? Somebody that's developing a sense of independence and autonomy is like part of, I think the idea we're supposed to carry forward with Harmony
2: out of season one. I think so too. And I think, I think that would make a lot of sense. One thing I really liked about the seemingly disparate stories that were told in season one is that they all, did not only have relevance to the past and how we understood the story, but they also did end up all having relevance to the future as well and how things ended up by the end of the season. And I, and I thought that that was constructed narratively so well. And did, it, 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 yeah, we didn't know it at the time necessarily, but you know there were some clues. Maybe these characters could come back, and they do pretty quickly. Um, not all of them do, but there's always some influence or some connection to why things are happening now based on what we saw from before. And I think that when you expand that into Harmony's territory, and even maybe have some new history or new past with Harmony, maybe she's in the artifact right now with a version of Aster and a version of Halen uh, that she can sort of experience and also be present in the beacon. She could almost be the connecting sort of catalyst between the two worlds as it were when season two begins. There could be a lot of sort of similar inroads that we can take in season two it sort of give us that same feel and that same experience, uh, you know, as long as we connect a couple more dots by the end, uh, that would be uh, pretty awesome, I think. I, I would be looking forward yeah. to that
1: that totally tracks i think it works on a couple levels we saw harmony like simultaneously two places one time tonight in episode 8 and so i think that that like would really track well and it just could be a very compelling viewpoint i mean i think what one thing that beacon 23 did like so impressively that i think so many fantasy and science fiction shows struggle with is the way that they handled this world building right and they, yeah. they really gave us this like very rich tapestry of history even just so that like when Astrid and Halen are sitting under the GWB there. And she's like, countless people have lived their lives in this beacon, you know, yeah. that has so much more weight because we've seen a bunch of those people. Like, I mean, the kind yes. like sliver, but still like so many of them. Right. And this is a thing where like, you get these exposition dumps and some shows that like, just take you right out. And then other shows, I think like <clears throat> star Wars, sometimes ignores <laughs> their world building to an extent that it's like, what are you guys even doing? Like it, like it removes kind of part of the beauty of like telling a story in this space. If you don't give us any context for what's going on here. So I think beacon 23 threaded that needle excellently. And I look forward to that in season two. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Any other big notes that you add or like takeaways in terms of your feelings here, expectations going forward, feelings of what we got?
2: No, I mean, I, just to add on to what you were talking about, I think that there is something really intricate about, like you know, they use the fine brush; they're painting the minifigures, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and all yeah, of the the world building that they do when when we had um the 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 I, I forget their names, uh, Finch when Finch was, you know. In theory whatever is on his neck he can like interface with technology sort of similar yeah. to our like our our uh, biological implant tube things that we saw in the beginning but like it seems like very much in these moments of the beacon this this narrative lore he takes over and they're they're flashing all these screens up and you can tell how finely tuned and and how coordinated the production of the show is that they're putting all these things on the screen yeah. you can see a map of the beacon and you can see that there's this like floating dark matter that makes it pretty obvious that the beacon is one of the only places that is safe to traverse through in space and there's all these little details like that that i love that they're just there for like a um, nanosecond right and, the production has been next level really i mean like uh-huh. a lot
1: of these things throughout they really have done an excellent excellent job with a lot of that yep
2: yeah and so i love that and and that alone gives me confidence that as the story continues especially because i think we've i think you mentioned this as well i'm pretty sure season two was filmed like kind of concurrently with Yeah, one.
1: just after, I think. I mean, it's definitely locked. It's confirmed. MGM, the announcements are out. You know, it's going to be coming back to MGM. Yeah. We're yeah. locked in.
2: Yep. And I think, that, I think that gives me a lot of faith in, speaking of faith, uh, and, you know, I'm not a machine, so I don't have to rely on other people to give me faith. And uh, I think that I have a lot of faith in where the show is going and where it can go. And I think that uh, it's, like you said, it's really a pacing thing that was the only critic, like that's really what all the criticism boiled down to this episode. I love the world building aspect. I love the characters. And I think that we have a lot of different and interesting ways that we can go in. And I think that I, I am I am really, really curious about where, where are the goalposts for season two and where do we even begin uh, as all of this occurs? Because there's just so much that we don't know at this point, but I do think that we will relax in our chairs. The second that we hit play on season two, whenever that day comes, uh, yeah. ultimately, uh, agreed. Looking forward to it. I'm just really curious how the hell we're going to do a show
1: called beacon 23, where we're not on the beacon 23. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, beacon 23 will return Corey, but until
2: then, uh, where are you at? Where can people find you? What do you got going up? Yeah, you can find me, uh various social media platforms at cavx c-a-v-x uh predominantly instagram threads I, i'm trying to say threads first they have hashtag ish <laughs> kind of hashtags now like, like, they, you can only do one and you don't need the hash anyway. Point, point being, you can find me there. You can find me at the platform formerly known as Twitter and on Twitch as well. Uh, and on Discord, uh, you know, we can you can head on over to uh slash post sign up for our Patreon, uh, become a patron of post show recaps, and join us for a discussion of Beacon 23 uh all sorts of other shows any really random stuff that you want to talk about whatsoever we have a thriving community over there and i am there it's one of my most used uh if you can call discord a social media app it's one of my most used apps and it's almost completely because of the PSR patron space. Oh, so. for sure. It is a
1: very fun place on the internet, the Posha Recaps Patron Discord. Um, I'm Rich Filiberto. I'm at DM Philly and most of the social places you want to go follow me on Twitch. I would appreciate it. can be firing up a lot of that come January. Uh, Grace Leader and I wrapped up our coverage of Yellowstone Season 2 as it finished airing over on CBS. You got a couple of Year in Review 2023 podcasts from me out there over the last week. I get together with my apprentice. This Taylor Ball to talk about all the fantasy TV of 2023 a lot of focus on Good Omens Wheel of Time and Willow as the three shows that we covered though we did talk a lot about the fantasy TV landscape this year uh, and I got together with the great Brendan Fitzpatrick to talk Star Wars year in review looking back at Mando season three Ahsoka season one the Bad Batch just talking Star Wars in general where are we at where are we going it was a very good time so go scope those out we will be back Someday, with Beacon 23. But until then, just be careful of the AIs that come knocking at your door. Ah.
0: So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother whether it's a low point or a crisis get help for yourself or a friend learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988 available 24 7